You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Delatory. Same corner, same time. Fresh off the spring game. How y'all boys feeling? Y'all good? It's good to be back. Uh, good Easter weekend. Uh, Nick just put on some shades. Um, I guess he's going to block out his haters. Um, so Nick Funny is... Nick was all over the internet this uh, this weekend, so I want to hear more about uh, about Nick's weekend and how he's able to control his uh, screaming fans. Uh, but uh, it was a good weekend, boys. Nick, the breaker of news, the storyteller. How was your weekend? Yeah, it's good. Um, I didn't break. Trying news. to think of other adjectives there, but yeah, yeah, Too much. Ran out super quick. <laughs> let this guy ever do your um, intro to a show man no i mean flavor flavor would, would have made one one stop on the tour before he got kicked off if that was the intro mm. right i'll work on it for next week um good weekend uh covered baseball as i always do um talked to anthony richardson on the phone friday night that was good appreciate him for uh reaching out and talking to me to clear up his traffic citation Hmm. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, we're gonna talk. That's a big ticket. Big ticket. Big ticket. Kevin Garnett. Yeah, that's not a cheap one. That's that's a lot of points. That's probably mandatory driver's ed school, all that kind of fun stuff. But we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, how was your weekend though? So you you just watched baseball and then just counted your uh, your retweets and likes on uh, Twitter all weekend, right? Yeah, did some did some good numbers. Thank you all for clicking and retweeting, quote tweeting. Um. Didn't, didn't need you all tagging the uh, the other writers who my colleagues guys I work with, um, but hmm. Twitter's gonna Twitter's gonna do its thing. Um, yeah, Twitter Twittered this weekend. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah, Twitter uh, Twitter did its thing <laughs> this weekend. Um, wasn't my intention to throw anyone else under the bus, um, but like I thought, hey, uh, you're not gonna turn down an opportunity to have a one on one interview with the starting quarterback of Florida. Um, and I know that Anthony had done some stuff in the community um, as, as late as early as late as February um, pediatric cancer. Um, and that's stuff that like looking up in the state of Florida, because of sunshine act, the sunshine act, it's really easy to get public records. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when, when guys get arrested, you know, it's easy to look that stuff up and, and it's a story because of their platform. Um, so I made sure to tell like Anthony and, and I'll tell any football player like, hey, if you're doing something in the community in Gainesville, if you're going to talk to an elementary school, if you're going to feed the homeless, do something like make me make somebody in the media of, uh, aware of that. I would love mm-hmm. to go and write those stories. Like, I think that's better than writing someone getting pulled over or somebody getting popped, you know, with a gram of weed in their car. Um, I think the 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 the. the... The problem be like they they can search the negative news to find, uh, but the kid got to find the, the writers to give them positive news. Right. Like so, that's what I'm saying. Like, hey, 
it, it is an extra step for them. Um, but I'll no, be but it's a reoccurring theme. You don't write negative news unless, like, I mean, I mean, some some of the news is just negative. You can't control it. Uh, some news, like trying to find a traffic ticket, it, there's just certain writers that harp on uh, bad press, bad news. That ticket was before the spring game. I thought that could have got out before. Uh, Anthony Richards has played a great spring game. A lot of good press coming out about him, and then uh, a negative writers come out of the woodworks with traffic ticket stuff. I found out about it um, Wednesday. And and for me, and, and it's it's different writers might think things are newsworthy. Um, I thought 105 on Newberry. Hey, that's newsworthy because that's not like a highway. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, but yeah, he it's wasn't newsworthy. It's just like, like, he wasn't he wasn't drugs, to he didn't have just, drugs in the car. He didn't have guns in the car. So right. I'm like, listen, right. it's it's two days. It's the day before the spring game. He was speeding. Uh, he's 19 years old. I mean, I've, I've done 30 over the speed limit, too. It's and no one and no one cared. Because I'm not the starting quarterback of the Gators. It seems to be the same reporters that that break those type of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think well, that that's why I'm. I, 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 was, I was heavy in the streets for the credit card stuff, and like people weren't mad at me about that. No, no, that, I mean that that's a big story. That's a real ass story. I mean, credit card fraud. A lot of stuff is going on. We get it. But when you're reaching for a traffic story. And, uh, and you're the the, the not even gonna, I ain't even gonna say reaching because you, like you said driving an SB is a is a story, um, especially with some athletes that have gotten an accident. Uh, mm-hmm. My man, uh, I'm forgetting the receiver that got into the accident. Um, Rugs, Rugs, right? So it, it is a story, but I think the fans are reacted to the same the same writers that break those type right. of stories, and I think that story, uh, if, if if Nick breaks that or if. if <laughs> Thomas Gold Campus, somebody breaks that. I think it's a different vibe. It's just who broke it on uh, in the energy behind it. Especially yeah. out the good AR news. Yeah, I think that that's what what the internet was was up in arms over. I think everybody agrees that it's a, a bad thing to do, and and you're risking other people's lives, not just your own, when you do that. I think the internet was uh, was in an uproar because it it did seem it, it does seem like certain people are consistently seeking out more negative news than trying to go and find positive news, Nick. And I, and I do agree with your take that a lot of things that are, are done um, from a philanthropic or a community service perspective probably don't get announced as often, or they're, um, they're just, you know, they, they, they work with a small group of people. And, you know, a lot of times people don't do that stuff for praise and have articles yeah. written about them. But I, but I do think, um, you know, if, if certain people are consistently always talking about the bad things, they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt that they're just reporting the news. Right. right. Um, and I think that that's where the internet got, got upset. I'm not, um, I'm not against reporting that news. If you get pulled over and you have a, a traffic court hearing um, to deal with the ramifications of that, and they could be severe, then yeah, that is, that is noteworthy and newsworthy. But like I said, I just think it's the same people uh, that the internet is, is upset about because it does seem like every time there's something good that happens, uh, there's always some negative news that follows without kind of a, what seems to be a balance or what seems to be a searching out of some positive stories. But, yeah, man. I think some of the like be like, who's reporting on the reporters? <laughs> like, if I got a DUI, I'm not breaking the traffic uh, speeding story. Um, just keep it, it being, bro. If I, this is not my bag. I'm gonna let somebody else break that one. You gotta read yeah. the room a little bit. Yeah, so. that was a that was a that was a tough headline. But uh, Nick, I do want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but still, how was your weekend? Man, it was great, man. Yeah, a chill. Um, 
wanted to spend a lot of time with my kids, but my kids wanted to spend time with my parents. So I didn't get a whole lot of kids this weekend. Um, little work, little play. That's about it. What, Not a whole um, lot, man. I, I, I haven't had, obviously don't have kids, but <clears throat> very fond memories of Easter growing up. Mm-hmm. Have never really thought about what goes into that. Like I had an awesome time at family gatherings, picking up Easter eggs, depending on the age. Never thought like what goes into setting that up. Are you part of that? You know, the Easter setup. No, nah, my kids been out of the egg thing for a minute, but I don't think eggs is the vibe. Easter is a different holiday from when I was a kid, man. These kids mm-hmm. get gifts on Easter now. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Our, my gift, that, my uh, gift was an individually wrapped Reese's inside an right. egg that I had to go find. Right. Yeah. Right. I was talking about some, to some people at work today that have kids, and they're like, "Oh yeah, what did you get your kids for Easter?" And they were talking back and forth, and I mean, they're talking about some some pretty sizable gifts, not Christmas like, but but definitely sizable gifts. Right. Right. We're like, hold on a second, you guys got gifts? Like, we had to search the house for some some Easter eggs. Um, we maybe got like. 20 things of, of Skittles, jelly beans, maybe a Reese's, right. you know, little bunny that, that had peanut butter inside. That was the, that was the gold standard of, of Easter candy at the time, but definitely didn't get any gifts. I feel like I was born in the wrong generation here. Yeah, man. They customizing baskets now, man, with gift mm-hmm. cards. Uh, uh, it's kind of like a, a, a stocking stuffer in the spring a little bit, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's not what we were when we was kids. We got stink eggs that were hidden yeah. out in the field around the house and whatnot. And, and some candy. Hey, that was it. And you know, and a church dad, speech you couldn't forget. Are you getting your ass beat? Oh, a week yeah. or t- a week or two later, dad cursing because uh, the lawnmower found an Easter egg that w- that wasn't found. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yo, uh, that was the worst. So, ho- yeah, holler, holler at us on. on rig that, rig that up, man. Yeah, yeah, holler at us on Twitter if uh, if you're a dad, uh, mom, somebody who is finding Easter egg with your lawnmower, or uh, when when you find them. In the coming weeks, but but the the the, the best part about Just Easter is a couple of days later when that one egg that your parents forgot where they put it, and you find mm-hmm. it, and mm, it's mm-hmm. like it's like reliving Easter all over again, you know. But <laughs> uh, right. times are a little simpler, a little different back then. For sure, so, um, I'll I'll add um, like Easter presents to the, the eggs and ate them. Did you eat the eggs, Nick? Uh, so we had the plastic eggs that opened yeah. up. Like oh, we, okay, we would okay, we okay. would do we would do like the egg coloring. Yeah, but like those. They would get thrown out like so quick. They we weren't right. putting like hard boiled eggs out there. We were uh, we had those plastic eggs that opened up, and there'd be like jelly beans or Reese's stuff in them. Did you like search for like actual eggs, Corey? Yeah, they hit. Well, we didn't eat them, but yeah, they hit. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, for sure. They would dye them. Uh, oh, boil them, of course. They're not. Right. They're not. But it was some weird kids that would eat them, man. I remember one time we was at a church, and this kid was like farting the rest of like the, the evening, man. He ate yeah. like four eggs. I was like, bro, you ate the eggs that was in the field? Like, yeah, man. That's not yeah, man. Wasted plastic. <laughs> Part of the whole service. <laughs> oh, geez. Awesome. Well, boys, it's it's good to be back. That's uh, the intro let, too. We're talking about farts. My bad. No, no, you're good. That's why I love the show. Um, let we got a we got a good show for you. We're gonna do an orange and blue game recap. We're gonna talk a little bit about the uh the commitments that we got both in football and in basketball. We're gonna bring Brandon Marcello on from 247 Sports to talk a little national picture uh for us. But as always, 
I want to thank our title sponsor for Stadium and Gale, Alan Horn from Alan Horn Insurance. Alan is a State Farm agent in Jasper, Georgia that specializes in auto, home, renter's life, business insurance, and retirement planning in Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and Tennessee. Check him out, allenhorninsurance.com, or visit him, or pardon me, or call him at 706-692-2888. Again, Alan Horn h-o-r-n-e insurance.com or 706-692-2888 uh all right gentlemen want to get into um the the recruit or the the recruiting uh get that the gators got in bat or in uh, football pardon me geez um use your words dan um the gators grabbed uh wide receiver commit tyree patterson um, who's unranked by some and ranked three stars by, by a few other uh, recruiting services um, out of Eustis, Florida, which is just north of Orlando. Shout uh, out to Brady Singer, also from Eustis, Florida. Man, um, 6'2", pounds, uh, ranked as the 224th best receiver on the on three consensus. I think they're missing a ranking, maybe by ESPN or something, uh, that really throws that off. But a three-star prospect uh, on on three. Um, I know there's a lot of hot takes about this commitment. Uh, the internet was uh, a buzz yesterday evening about it. Uh, but the Gators do land their second commitment from this class. So, uh, Nick, I want to get your thoughts on it, and then Selk, I want to get yours. Uh, well, my first thought was just like, just like seeing the reaction and it's just like, man, I couldn't imagine being a kid committing to the university of Florida, which means you had a committable offer. The staff mm -hmm. likes you. The staff has done their work and they've accepted you. You you're, you think you're about to have this great day. I'm going to commit. And then the whole internet was just like, what the hell are we taking this kid for? And it's just like, mm -hmm. man, that's gotta be a tough, a tough spot to be in. Um, yeah, Nick, sorry to interrupt you. He even had to tweet out yesterday. I mean, he didn't have to, but he did. He said, rankings don't matter. Someone will recognize you. Just put the work in and don't stop. Uh, that was so clearly just a few hours after. It. Yeah. Um, well, I've no doubt people tagged him and stuff and sure. you know commented on his you know quote tweet and, and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, big body guy. I, I, you gave his stats out there. I think he's fluid. Um, he's got good acceleration. Um, and, and as a bigger receiver goes, I think he high points the ball well. Um, does a good job catching the ball away from his body. Like, listen, he's not. Uh, I have a I have a, a series of stories coming out of where Florida thinks they need to go in the transfer portal, um, and he's not going to be one of those guys. I think they need to get a receiver, um, you know, a, a slot kind of receiver, uh, Kadarius Tony type, something like that. And, and this is not him. Um, I think Patterson is 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 a good guy in terms of run blocking. He's physical, um, and, and I think he's good. You know, he has really good hands for his size. Is is he the highest rated guy? No, um, but also, man, I was kind of taken aback by just like the the reaction to mm -hmm. the commitment over the weekend. Yeah, fifty three catches, a uh, thousand seventy eight yards, and thirteen touchdowns as a junior, averaging twenty point three yards per catch. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought uh, the production was is good. Mm -hmm. uh, 6'2", good size. Uh, the type in, top end speed, I, I don't see it on the film. Uh, I do like he got some wiggle. He, he makes big plays happen. Um, high points the ball. A lot, a lot of the stuff that Nick said. Mm -hmm. um, from watching the film and the production, I wasn't mad at the take. I don't know how many wide receivers we're taking. If we're taking like 
five, then I kind of get it if he's the bottom of this class. But I don't think the kid's a, a, a bad football player. He's a football player. He can play football, mm-hmm. bro. Uh, you cut the film on, uh, I, I think he's going to end up a four-star. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think uh, the position needs a true slot uh, and also some top-end speed because we have big physical receivers already. So I can see that, right? But some people – it's different than having just a take and then just uh, crying and harping on uh, a kid not being good enough to go to your favorite school all day on Twitter uh, in April because a lot of these mm-hmm. evals are still behind because of COVID and, and things like that. This kid having camped a lot, so uh, he has a chance to, to to improve his rankings. I just thought it was a bit too much as far as like the fan reaction, um, but congrats to the kid. I think he can play football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of takes on him. I, I've not, I don't know much about him. I think this may have been the first time um, I saw his name. Um, again, you're, you're watching highlight film. Uh, the kid looks like he can high point the ball. Looks like he's pretty decent uh, at seam routes and getting open there. Um, you know, a lot of his film, and, and you can base this on coaching. You can base it on uh, the, the scheme that they ran. Uh, not a ton of, of different routes. You know, a lot of the same type of of um, routes on the route troop. Say what? A lot of ton of screens. Yeah, a lot of that. So, um, but I did think that the reaction was was definitely overblown. Um, you have to imagine that the Gators are going to probably try to target three or four wide receivers in this class, and there's a lot of wide receiver talent in the state of Florida, and Florida's not going to get it all, right? Florida needs to work their plan. They need to get a group of receivers that fit what the mold of, of their type of, of receiver is and build out a class that, that fits that mold to, to be able to accentuate the room. Uh, I don't like adding kids. Um, I don't like the, the commentary about them, you know, not being good or being bad because almost nobody knows who he is. And you can say, well, Dan, that's an argument that Florida should have taken or shouldn't have taken him. Well, I'd argue that the kid probably camped and earned an offer, right? There's a lot more film that this staff has seen than you'll ever see. Um, I think that if you're going to say you trust Billy Napier, um, if you're going to trust the ability of this coaching staff, if you're going to trust the 719 different analysts that they have watching film, then you have to say, hey, I trust that these guys are making evaluations based on their knowledge of the game and the way that they are approaching building out their roster. So um, you can say, hey, um, you know, interesting take at the time. You can um, you can want receivers that are more highly rated, but to dog a kid that gets an opportunity that very few do, and that's to play at the University of Florida as a as a college student um is is not only wrong it's immature and, and pretty embarrassing uh that a kid just a few hours after probably one of the happiest moments of his football life has to go and and talk about and defend his ability uh to a group of fans that should be welcoming him right yeah even even if you don't trust the staff man uh, just grow the fuck up mm-hmm. right um you get your take off having an opinion about uh not kid not being take or whatever uh, we shouldn't have taken him. It was too early, but I just think that like there's just a difference between getting your opinion off and just harping on. And like some people just take it way too serious. Yeah. Well, this is their job, right? They, they get the <laughs> Gators coaching staff has a lot more to lose than you do as a fan, right? Yeah. If they take a bunch of bad takes, they're fired, and you can say, yeah, they get buyout money, and everything else, but. They get they lose their job. They have to uproot their life. They have to move their families and everything else. Their job is to evaluate football players and build out a successful roster. And I assure you that that's what they're trying to do. 
I, I would I would say you're not going on a limb there. That's uh, that is what they're trying to do. Thank you, Nick. So Tyree Patterson, the second commitment in this class. Um, I can imagine that over the next couple of weeks you'll start to see some more. Um, but, That's the uh, thing, man. Like it's it's so many decision dates, a big decision dates this summer. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no need to rush to like criticize the staff about taste and if these guys really can recruit. We got some big decision dates, and we'll find out what's what. Um, if we land these guys, a lot of our four quarter uh, action. So if we can land these guys, then we'll know what we got. If we will. Then I'm gonna I'm crank out my my takes. You feel me right now? Right. I, I just I'm just gonna buy. It. We'll see what the big dogs decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll know what we got as a staff this summer. Yeah. No, I think that you can you can argue and want uh, about recruiting and stars and everything else, but you have to do that holistic, or you have to do that as a part of a whole, not individual. And I think that that's the toughest part. That sometimes you know we forget. You don't know if this is the next great three star wide receiver or you know somebody that's not. But we're still years away from so, knowing that, right? Yeah, people just hungry and thirsty for for anything, especially out the spring. And I said, we, I thought if we was getting a committee to be like a mid three star, somebody we didn't know, um, or what wasn't that familiar with, it wasn't because none of the studs, none of the big big people uh, had had any smoke. Uh, it just hasn't been trending that way as far as somebody popping at the spring game. Um, a lot of these kids have dates, mm-hmm. so um, when, when somebody I, when I got the notification with a text, somebody committed, I didn't expect anything big. Um, well, surprised that receiver because the, the state's loaded at wide receiver. So um, that was my surprise. It wasn't a name that I knew at wide receiver. Uh, DB and wide receivers loaded this year. So uh, we'll let it all play out. We'll see what's what. Um, if you've been following recruiting long enough, you know that uh, a commit don't mean much either way, mm-hmm. uh, staff or player. So we'll yeah. just let it all play out. Don't, don't slander the kids' talents. We're still at the absolute earliest, eight months away from having signed on the dotted line or any player for that matter. Uh, with all of that being said, let's bring uh, our guest on today. But before we do that, let's give some love to our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Visit homefieldapparel.com, use promo code Stadium and Gale, all one word, get 15% off of your order. If you are a fan of, let me pull this up real quick because there's a a ton of schools here uh, besides the University of Florida. If you're a friend of, or a fan of Maryland, Virginia Tech, Air Force, not Alabama, uh, Colorado, Xavier, uh, West Virginia, Houston, or Fairfield, all coming out in the not-too-distant future. So go visit homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale. Get 15% off of your order. With all of that being said, we want to welcome our guest today, uh, Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on today, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good. Good, good, good. Just got back from giving blood for the first time, and I'm I'm still uh, standing, so it's good. I didn't pass out. <laughs> oh, we're, 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 we need to start getting some incendiary questions, getting ready for Brandon now, because a little woozy, right. maybe not the best decision making. <laughs> We yeah, to, we, need to, we need to get him on the sauce to get his real takes off. You yeah. know, yeah. You know, my yeah. wife, my <laughs> wife said that today. She's I'm probably incriminating her. She was like, she was like, you know, in college we used to volunteer blood drives and do all that, and then quicker. we and then we get drunk quicker. We go yeah. out and party afterward. I'm like, uh, who did I marry? <laughs> I'm over here eating raisins, replenishing myself. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Well, Brandon, absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, looking forward to, to chatting with you. Kind of big picture. But first off, I uh, want to hear a little bit about your personal story. Uh, we've been following you in the Stadium, again, Stadium and Gale account, pardon me, for a while. Uh, and I've been watching your weight loss journey. So first off, congratulations. We'll want to hear a little bit more about maybe what inspired that and, and kind of where you've gone uh, over your journey so far. Yeah, man, I, I just uh, got sick of feeling uncomfortable in my own body, if that makes any sense. And, you mm-hmm. know, having a little kid open my eyes to like, wow, it hurts to get on the floor and play with him and, and all that. And, you know, I wanted to be healthy and live longer. And I just, I had lost weight before, you know, I lost 60 something pounds once before about a decade ago. And I had ballooned and gained all that back plus more. So I went, you know what, I'm going to change this and and, uh, you know, started doing a meal plan and just walking every day. And uh, it was really that simple. And uh, still got about like eight more pounds I want to hit before I start doing a lot more weight training. But I've lost, uh, as of Saturday, I had lost uh, 141 pounds. Wow. That's, a, and, that's uh, like a Backstreet Boy in their prime. You've lost an entire <laughs> Backstreet Boy. <laughs> yeah. Or and I also... I also decided, hey, I'm going to, because sh- I'm growing my beard back. I, I shaved my beard off because, like, I want to see what my face looks like after losing all that weight. And I found out that I've, I developed a turkey neck uh, so, in that So the time. beard's coming back. So the beard, yeah. <laughs> right, I walk, walked out and my, my wife goes, you look weird. I go, yeah, the moment I left the bathroom, I started growing it back because yeah. not, that's not me. Not happening. Uh, my girlfriend called. She said, um, uh, beards are makeup for men. And I was yeah, like, I, you're exactly maybe, right. Maybe uh, I shaved mine no. down today. You're not. You're not uglier. Well, <laughs> I also, I also maybe got a beard. Kind of a holder, Corey. Was that? I said that. Well, I don't think you're cuter when you when you grow a beard, Nick. Is what I'm saying. You still you're the same ugly. I'll keep trying. I need a beard just because I, I don't have any hair on my head either. So it's likewise, bro. Yeah, you got to have something. Everyone's got to stick together. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm just yeah, a yeah. few years away. A few years away. Slowly <laughs> but surely. Um, it's a Brandon, big hat podcast here. That's big a big hat, hat podcast. Right. And it's happening to Nick too. Uh, Brandon, do you want to get kind of your thoughts? Um, you've you've covered the SEC for a while. I know you covered Auburn uh, for 247 um, in SEC country. And uh, obviously followed Auburn for a long, long time. Uh, Mississippi State as well. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on kind of the state of the SEC. Obviously, you want to talk a little bit about Florida first. Um, obviously, the, the Gators bring on Billy Napier, a whole new coaching staff. Um, obviously, you were able to cover uh, the Dan Mullen uh, era a bit when you were covering Mississippi State uh, as well. But what are your thoughts on, on kind of maybe what happened to Florida? And then what are your thoughts on, on Billy Napier? Yeah, you know, not to say like you could see it coming for Dan Mullen, but you just knew with him on a bigger stage and a bigger spotlight that unless he changed his whole perspective on recruiting, at some point that was going to catch up with him. And it it caught up faster than I thought. I thought he might end up winning a national championship at Florida Mm -hmm. before that caught up with him. Uh, But it happened. And so – Florida, we all know this. You guys know it. I mean, Florida is a program that can and should win national championships. They, they should be. They should probably win a national championship once every ten to fifteen years. And then, if you get on a really good streak with a fantastic coach, maybe you can win a couple of national championships within a decade. Um, but the thing is, is that you got to have the right type of coach. You got to have some consistency there. And so, kind of what I was afraid of seeing with. 
Dan Mullen coming in there and then the quick decision to get rid of him was you don't want to go down that road where you become like a Tennessee where you make one bad hire and then you make an okay hire and then they decide to leave on their own or something happens. Kind of like like the Lane Kiffin situation is what really set that all in motion. He left and that thing, they just, they, they were freaking out every year. And so, but with Florida, you bring in a guy with Billy Napier who obviously understands the SEC, but understands building building a staff, how to recruit, how to recruit in the South. And I know you guys have probably talked about that ad nauseum, and the fans are very, very well aware of how organized Billy Napier is and also just how great of recruiters he brings on staff and how, do, how they do that. And that's going to be a, not necessarily an overnight thing for Florida, even though Napier – and the staff's the type where you go, well, this should make an immediate impact. I think it's probably like a two- or three-year process for them to get Florida back up to that level where you might see a top-five class and being in the top ten every single year in recruiting, which is enough to get you to a, into the national championship conversation. But for Florida, they're doing everything right off the field right now. I mean, with the NIL collective, uh, the 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 obvious hiring of Billy Napier and the building of the personnel staff there, and what's really intriguing to me, and I'm sure you guys too, is not necessarily the recruiting with the high school kids right away, but I'm interested to see what Florida's going to do in the transfer portal here these next few weeks because like I mean, you're starting to see you're starting to see it today these kids entering all across the country after their spring practices in, you really just don't know who's going to enter. And, I mean, and listen, there could be two, three guys out there that aren't even in the portal right now that will be starters for the Florida Gators next season. It might be the difference mm-hmm. in them winning six games to maybe getting nine or ten wins. Mm-hmm. That's how that's the era we live in now. And to me, that's what makes college football so much more exciting nowadays. And, you know, it's insane how – not necessarily you could change an entire team, but you can change an outlook just mm-hmm. based off of getting in the transfer portal. It um it was interesting because I I, I started calculating uh, every after every signing class and and transferring and out. I'll calculate what Florida's scholarship numbers are, and heading into spring they were at ninety two, and that's fine. Uh, since I've been at Florida ten years now, they they're never really above the eighty five. They didn't want to operate like that, so Florida was at ninety two, and then of course you have. A career-ending injury to Gage Wilcox, a tight end. Emory transfers out, so then they're at, they're at ninety. And Billy comes out there one day in a press conference and goes, "We're going to be very aggressive in the transfer portal." And I was like, "Excuse me, uh, <laughs> you've got you have to have a double-digit transfers out of your program to even accept like three guys." Um, and he said, "Very aggressive." So I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, it's probably going to happen. Oklahoma, LSU, USC guys who stuck around for spring and just said, "Hey." I tried it. I didn't sign to this coaching staff. They've changed the offensive or defensive philosophy. I gave it a shot. It's not for me. And it's never been easier, which I agree with. It's never been easier for a player to transfer. Because in the past, if I'm a junior and and I played here for two years, three years, I'm going to lose my senior season or have to redshirt my senior season. And when the coaches can come and go as they please, that's not fair. So so I get it. But now I'm looking at Florida's roster and thinking – I don't know who it's going to be quite yet, but there's going to be possibly 10 guys leaving if, if you're really trying to, you know, fill some spaces. So uh, I think, Billy, all of our spidey senses in that press conference, Brandon, kind of like started tingling. And we're like, all right, well, yeah, now we know it's coming because if he's going to be very aggressive, there's got to be at least 
five more guys to transfer just to get to the 85 for fall. So uh, we're going to be in for it, I think, in this uh, second free agent period of college football. Yeah, and and listen, it, it's for these first year coaching staffs, and even and to a certain extent, uh, even the second third year staffs, like uh, like Sam Pittman at Arkansas or Mel Tucker at Michigan State, they're still very aggressive in the portal. Not as much so as they were last year, but they're still aggressive. And listen, um, I think there's been two schools so far that have done like almost perfect work in the transfer portal. And that's Michigan state and Arkansas, mm-hmm. as I just mentioned, Arkansas on a lesser extent, but I mean, goodness gracious, you know, get it like a Felipe Franks, which obviously didn't light the world on fire at Florida, but he was exactly what Arkansas needed to kind of transition mm-hmm. them into what they got now with the KJ Jefferson era. And then at Michigan state, goodness gracious, they revamped that entire roster. 33 to 34% of that mm-hmm. roster was new. Uh, in Mel Tucker's first year, partially because of the transfer portal and then obviously recruiting with the high school kids. And look what he was able to do in that first offseason. So um, that's what, again, makes it so fascinating when you watch some of these schools. You know, Florida right now, USC obviously with Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma to a lesser extent, but they seem pretty set right now. And look, and you've got like a, a... a mini like NFL team right now in Ole Miss where Lane Kiffin's just like, come here and play for a year and mm-hmm. uh, we'll win eight, nine games, have some fun. And then I'm going to just restock and reload. It's almost like Lane Kiffin got a piece of paper or not a piece of paper, but he went on the 24 seven sports transfer portal rankings and just goes, who's the top available tight end. Mm-hmm. Can I get them? And then he gets them. And if he doesn't, he literally goes to number two, number three. Like if you went down to see, based off the timeline of when these players committed to them, it was usually the top available guy. By the way, sorry, there's my, they, I, that gave yeah. one. You could tell. I just saw that on the screen. You did I was like, it. what you is did that? We were we're you. Brandon, that's what you're doing. You saved a life today. <laughs> Look at me. I'm so heroic. Yeah. Uh, no, but like, but it was like he just went down a list and was mm-hmm. like, just give me the best guy. And uh, we'll see if that works year to year. I don't know if that's sustainable. Maybe it is because he's Lane Kiffin, but – um, if you want to revamp a roster, man, you can do it. And I don't think it gets talked about enough that Michigan state was able to do it. Mm-hmm. And Arkansas to a certain extent was able to do it. And I think you're going to see on a bigger stage. Now people's going to, it's going to open their eyes up because they're going to see USC mm-hmm. change overnight. They're not, they're, they might not win the pac 12, but they're going to probably win, win nine or 10 games and look good doing so. And, um, and maybe Florida, Maybe you can get that with Florida. You just add, listen, you add one really great skill player and then one really great defensive player, a skill player on defense, and that could change the outlook for everything. Um, Brandon, I want to get your your thoughts on the SEC as a whole. Obviously, we know about Alabama. We know about Georgia, right? Probably both likely going to be competing, if not in the college football national or the college football playoff. Um, outside of that, talk to us a little bit about the SEC. Um, you know, who else? I mean, obviously, you have Texas A&M sitting out there. You know, is Tennessee going to get better? Are they going to get over that hump? Ole Miss, obviously, you know, has a, has a good coach, and they've been, you know, getting transfer portal talent. Um, talk to us a little bit about the, the state of the SEC outside of those two schools. You know, I'm really kind of I'm kind of uh, high this year on Tennessee. You know, I I, I don't gamble. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should, 
so I could actually make money, but like, or lose a lot of it. But I saw the over unders on Tennessee, their win totals early. And I, I think they're going to hit the over just because it's almost a lot like Ole Miss was a year ago in the offseason, where I was just like, if Ole Miss's defense just shows any life, they're going to win more games. And I'm kind of the same way with Tennessee going into this year. But I got to look at the schedule again and mm-hmm. kind of where those games set up. Um, but you look across the SEC, we see a lot of programs in a not just, we say flux, but like a state of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU, listen, is always going to be talented. They're going to have players, but they're replacing a lot of guys. I think we almost lose track of how many guys LSU lost because a lot of those players were right. leaving in the middle of the season last year. And so – Brian Kelly comes in, and the roster's not quite what it's been at LSU in past years, mm-hmm. though it's still talented. It's going to take some time to get that thing turned around. And A&M, everybody's just like putting all the hype on them, and they're going to expect it to win right away. I'm telling you, their window to even compete for an SEC West title is 23 or 24. Mm-hmm. It's not this year. I mean, they're, they're just not going to do it this year. They might win eight games again. And people are going to go like and just go. Uh, they'll, it's a disappointment. They'll beat Florida when Florida goes to College Station. <laughs> Relax, Uh-oh. Nick. Jeez. I, I'm the I'm the just give the, the folks jur- optimism. I'm the, before... I'm the journalist voice on this fan podcast. The man just said we about to go stupid in the, in the transfer portal, and, 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 and yeah. Nick just predicted us just yeah. to lose in College All right, Station. Well, Dan Mullen got mad when there were twenty five thousand people in oh, that's that why stadium. He's not here. He called it a million. Uh, there's actually going to be a million when they go this year. Well, it, it listen, um, A&M's going to be good. I just, until Jimbo Fisher shows me that he's willing to evolve with the times offensively with his quarterback and receivers, right? I got to see that explosiveness consistently. And listen, the things I keep getting told inside that program is that they are moving that direction. Um, but that's what it takes. You got to have an elite quarterback and a great receiver, a game breaker, and that's actually kind of what held me back on Georgia a little bit last year because I just didn't see it in Stetson Bennett. I mean, I think a lot of people did. And then Bennett just got more consistent near the end of the year and did what he did what he had to do. But I think A&M, that talent won't really come together for them until 23-24. So long story short, across the SEC, you're seeing programs that aren't quite what I think people believe they should be or what they're going to be in a year or two. Mm-hmm. A&M – and LSU really get that for me. Ole Miss, I think people are giving a lot of credit to Lane Kiffin as they should, but I don't see that as a team that's going to win nine games this year mm-hmm. or maybe even eight. I think they're going to have some struggles replacing as much as they had to and counting on so many first-year players, while they are veterans, to come in and immediately just pick up where the last offense left off. That I've got issues with that. But I'm high on Tennessee just because if that defense just turns things around a little bit, they should win more games, and that offense is explosive as heck as we've seen. Georgia, they'll take a half step back. Um, they'll probably they should still win the SEC East. Um, South Carolina, that's a team that I think is going to be better than a lot of people think, just because Spencer their offensive. Or... No, not just him. The offensive talent they have upgraded at practically every spot they've needed to. Their offensive line is going to be pretty good. I like kind of what how they've kind of rebuilt that roster a little bit, and I think they're going to be able to show it on the field this year a little bit more and a little bit earlier than some think. Now, what does that mean? 
that means maybe they could be an eight win team, you mm-hmm. know, at their at their height. So, and with Florida, I just don't know. I love Anthony Richardson. I wrote a column about him today. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a superstar, guys. I, I'm sure you guys see it too. He's just got to get those pieces around him. And again, that's what the transfer portal is so exciting. You just don't know what they could add here to maybe take Florida into that realm of of being a little bit of a, a, a sleeper next season. The last problem year, with the portal for year, us, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Dan, you did have, I'm, Nick, you did have next. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, last year I wrote um, Anthony Richardson could be the answer to what if Cam Newton never stole a laptop? Uh, and it might have been premature at the time, but uh, it, it looks like it's getting there. Um, I want to put you on the spot a little bit because you went in a lot of win totals with some other SEC teams. Um, I'm definitely lower on the win total. I think Corey's at 15. Dan might be at nine. Um, what, what, if I put the win total for Florida at six and a half next year, hold on, Brandon, over or under before you answer that, Brandon, Nick, you strategically avoided giving your answer to number of wins when you asked that question and just pass the buck on yourself. So tell the fans how many fans or how many wins you're predicting. Okay. Are you over seven wins? Under seven and a half. I'm over okay, six and a half, under seven and a half. Great. Nick said seven wins. All right, Brandon. Thank you. Okay. All right. I got to pull up the schedule. Do they <laughs> open? Do open, they play, with, oh. open with Pac-12 champion Utah. Utah. Smacking. We smacking Utah. Uh, That's Brandon. a lie. <laughs> Following up with Kentucky. Brandon, there's a real possibility Billy Napier is going to tell you about the lean on them folks, man. I think Kentucky's not going to be. Uh, you think they're a down year for Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think they might end up actually being below 500 this year. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. The, 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 Utah uh, okay. Start, the Utah start, when the game is scheduled six years ago, Florida thinks, okay, it's a name school. We're not like playing, years ago, you know, University of Southwest, Northeasterly, Missouri Tech. Um, you get Utah, and then all of a sudden Utah shows up, wins the Pac-12 last year, and they return like 80% of that roster, including their quarterback. Yeah. Mm. Let Utah is salty this year. I mean, their their offense is going to be a lot of fun. Um, wow, I'm looking at the schedule here. This is pretty favorable for Florida. No, get, to be honest, uh, no. Yeah. I'm telling you, at A&M, Georgia. Listen, don't, I'm going to be at, honest. At a Tennessee team that you like, Nick, you need to stop. <laughs> I'm trying to, give, I'm trying to recruit Brandon myself. Trying to make the guy. He's trying to make the guy. But Brandon is a but, national writer reviewing the schedule in real time. But I'm telling you, trying to convince him. Yeah, he's trying to change Let's go game by game. Texas A&M is a game that Florida probably should lose anyway. So it's on the road. So that's good. You get you get a home game in return for that. That you might be a coin flip game. So for example, maybe Mizzou. Maybe Mizzou's a coin flip yeah. game, but it's at home for Florida. The problem is Mizzou's been a coin flip game the entire time Mizzou's been in the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> it probably shouldn't be. Okay, yeah, let's go game by game with this. I don't want to take up too much time. Utah no. loss. So just to add these up for me, because I'm bad with math. And we I do. Got you, I got you. Hold okay. on. I got my pen All right, so, so Utah, you're predicting a Utah victory. Utah victory. Okay. Um, Kentucky, man, that's a push, Kentucky. Um, See? That early in the year. In Florida. We'll say win. Win for Florida. Perfect. South Florida, that's a win for Florida. At Tennessee, that's a win for Tennessee. Again, a game that you probably Florida's probably going to lose anyway. 
I'm going to be honest because of Tennessee with the offense they've got. The, the listeners will not be happy to hear that. I know. I listen. Yeah. Hey, listen. That's why I'm I'm here. I don't. I don't they can jump on me all I want. Just get your takes off, Brandon. We're not mad at it. The, 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 <laughs> seven, the seventeen year old Florida Gator fan has only seen Tennessee beat Florida once, but it can still happen. Can you imagine living that way? Not seeing one time next year, Brandon. Ain't nothing gonna change, man. It's what we <laughs> well, the, the 30 the 34 year old Kentucky fan has only seen his team beat Florida twice. Yeah. Wow. Eastern and, and Washington. Both of those were since Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Oh my gosh, that's right. Both of them, yeah. Both of them out the gate. For Dan. first that's year he lost to Kentucky. Eastern nice. Washington, that's a W. W. Mizzou and Gainesville. That should be a W. W. That defense terrible. Defensive line terrible. LSU in Gainesville. Whew. LSU. Okay, that's All a right, lot. So four, four, four and three, three at the uh, the bye week. Cocktail well, party. Listen, listen, you're four and four. You're four and four. Cocktail mm-hmm. party, Georgia. At A and M. A and M. Yeah, four and five. Now we're a losing record in November. South Carolina in Gainesville. That's what that. Uh, I'm not going to influence you. Carolina. Hmm. So four and six. Now, now we're now we're talking about bowl eligibility in mid-November. Y'all got my gators fucked up. <laughs> I told you, Corey's got him fifteen zero. We're in the playoffs. No, no, no. I'm not ridiculous, man. I, I do, I do like like a And M on the road is a tough one. Uh, it's, a I, it's just it's too many unknowns, man. Right. Uh, There's in, a lot the of way, the way I view, I view uh, uh, Anthony Richardson just like you do, Brandon, as a superstar. And superstars yeah. change games, bro. Yeah. He's gonna elevate around. the play of the players around them. So yeah, I've I'm got two. Not seeing that, man. I got two games here that I got coin flips in my mind. I'm already chalking up, and that's Mizzou mm-hmm. and Carolina. Um, at Vandy, easy win. At mm-hmm. Florida State, that's a win. Easier win. Yeah. So, that's six uh, and so six. what? Six and six. So I, I guess under. Mm. Man, I wouldn't yeah. have thought that. I've been I've been thinking maybe seven. But again, there's two games in there that could, I think that I'm waffling on. The, the two that you're waffling on were South Carolina, South Carolina, Mizzou. Yeah. Which you called a you called a South Carolina loss, and so that's like a coin flip in your mind then. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, and then LSU, you kind of said it was a toss up too, but I think you had the LSU taking it. Yeah, I got Ms. I got LSU taking it. I... And and I'll tell you this, I'll probably I will I would probably regardless, it, it, a lot would have to happen before that game for me to pick Florida. Just considering I watched what happened in twenty twenty, LSU ran up a a gigantic bill at a restaurant in twenty nineteen. They called in every favor, and then twenty twenty came and they had like pay the bill they walked out without paying for dinner in 2019 and they had to pay it every week and 2020 comes they beat florida last year beat florida i i will pick lsu to win this year unless something crazy has happened and and i'll be fine being wrong but you can't lose to those last two lsu teams and then call lsu an easy win this year no matter what's happening yeah in baton rouge yeah you're exactly right and you know but again a lot of this is going to depend on, like, I mean, of course, we just don't know what Florida's like. I mean, look we like. could. The, the game's not in week, Baton Rouge either, Nick. That it doesn't matter. Oh. The game, well, the game last year. Of no, course, no, 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 no. I said what happened in Baton Rouge. The game being oh. in. Yeah, Florida I mean, I mean, you're not going to have. 
you're not going to have a Dan Mullen sitting the best player on the team and shoes getting thrown in the dark and nothing weird like that going down. So playing in the swamp absolutely matters. We look like a decent football team. We almost beat Alabama last year. Probably should have beat them, to be honest, uh, just because that stadium was loud. Mm. So coming to the swamp matters, bro. It does. It does. Listen, when I was covering Auburn, when Auburn went there, what year was that with Bo Nix? Twenty. Oh uh, man, that's, that's what they rocking, the, the Auburn fans were talking about that they put in noisemakers, and I was like, no, that that's Wi-Fi. It's the first year they've had actual like Wi-Fi in the stadium. Like, no, it was too loud. Those are noisemakers. I'm like, it's the only reason you could tweet about how loud it was because the the noisemaker under you. It was that it was crazy loud for that game. I remember I, I've been to like four games in the swamp in the past, an Arkansas game when Tebow was there, and, and uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember what else. I covered an Alabama game there once, uh, Auburn, Mississippi State when Dan Mullen went in there and beat Florida and Urban Myers last year. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, what but yeah, that, that was an ugly game. Oh, it's terrible. You know, Mississippi State didn't oh throw God. a single pass in the second half other than a shovel pass at for mm-hmm. near the end zone in the red zone. Um, that that game was bad to watch. But yeah, and I I was impressed obviously with the swamp. But man, when did that game with Auburn? And I was like, holy crap! It's, yeah, it's, the place really went nuts for that Michael P Ryan run. Yes. Yeah, we had kind of written about. He had given us some great quotes about Auburn. Gus Malzahn told me I wasn't fast enough yeah. to be in the SEC. Yeah. So fans kind of knew like that little backstory. And he breaks this eighty-yard run. It's kind of like, well, no one can catch him on the other team, so maybe he is. What was your impression of Tom Petty? <clears throat> that was your first time seeing it live. Wait, oh the uh, the, 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 between the third and yeah, fourth quarter. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, listen, I love that about. Pretty much any college team, but especially the SEC. Every every SEC team's got some type of something unique that goes on in the stadium. And sometimes you've heard about it, then you forget about it, then it starts happening, and you're like, "Oh, oh yeah, this is a thing here." You know, you got if you got. I mean, you've got if you guys been to College Station, for example, when you're. I have. I, oh I only went gosh. in 2020, and there was there was none of the pageantry. So I'm yeah, looking forward to this year. It's it's just amazing to watch, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I missed. Uh, I mean, they put a new press box in, so this doesn't matter to anybody else. But like reporter wise, like the old press box there would sway, and you're up. Like I mean, I used Way to call up. it. I used to call it College Space Station because it seems like. <laughs> I mean. You're way up there, and it's just you're swaying back and forth, and they got signs up saying, "Hey, don't be frightened. Your chair's going to move, and your chair's sliding on wheels and everything." Uh-huh. Um, it's an amazing atmosphere. They um, have that in uh, when I was there in 2020. It's like the printout of where, like, "Hey, here's your your media password, your Wi-Fi password." Yeah. It's like, by the way, you're not going to fall. It's going to feel like it, but yeah. you're not going to fall. Yeah, there weren't enough people in the stadium the day that well, I was. Well, that well, the new press box is stronger. <laughs> Um, I was there when it they still felt the need to warn me. Yeah. It. Yeah. In 2019, I was there for a game and, uh, it didn't sway nearly as much as the old press box. Um, that old man, that old one was like, I, you, I'm glad they had signs up. Cause if I didn't even see that sign before and I would have thought, Oh, there's an earthquake. We're going to die. <laughs> oh man. So Brandon, have the Gators at six and six. Um, SEC, you've got Alabama and Georgia. 
playing yeah. one another in the SEC championship. Yeah, now that's what I've got I, right now. Yeah, I think everybody is is pretty safe in predicting that. Um, you think Georgia um, beats Alabama again this year? I mean, obviously, I know they lost to him in the SEC championship, but do you think that this is still Georgia's year, or do you think Nick Saban puts it together, or, or who do you have as the SEC champion? I think this will end up being one of Saban's best teams yeah. that he's had. I mean, the best yeah, team he's, he's had was 2020, but this mm-hmm. one's going to be right up there. He's polishing it off in the portal like something crazy, right? Yeah, now, right? like just, like all all Nick Saban needs is adversity, and, and adversity in Nick Saban's universe is losing in the national championship game. Mm-hmm. And like I think now, I think they're going to kill teams on their, oh, for on sure. their schedule. Absolutely. I said it after the, after they lost in uh, last year. Like, <laughs> bro, he's they coming lose, back with a vengeance, they lose, man. When yeah. Alabama loses in the national championship, you're like, oh, man, Ohio Wesleyan, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You're going to get paid $1.25 million for that yeah. opening weekend or whoever the team is. Is it possible he walks away at all? Oh, I don't think so. Could be his best team, man. I think, I think they beat the, the crap out of everybody. I um, think he'll do it until his hip completely gives out and he can't stand anymore. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to coach until that or unless there's like he sees that Alabama doesn't have a chance to even compete for the next year or two. But I don't, I don't think he'll, he'll leave never until happen. that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like at what point yeah. does that happen where Alabama's not going to compete and he'll find a GA that can push his wheelchair around on the yeah. sideline? I think he's – I think, you know, listen, I think he's eaten up with it, man. I mean, the great ones, we all know that they're mm-hmm. like that. Brady, Jordan, those guys were so freaking unhappy when they were at their best. And that's what they gave up. They didn't care. And then you look at Brady now, you can go actually enjoy life. And he's like, I, I don't want that. I want to right. I want to be I want to be miserable again because I want to win another title. And Saban's he's gonna put as much space between him and the next guy when it comes to being the best. So mm-hmm. he's got like another two or three championships in him. Brandon, I've got a question for you. Just, I mean, obviously, you we're still probably a few years out, but who do you think takes over for Nick Saban? Do you think it's an internal promotion? I mean, that, in my opinion, that's got to be the hardest job in the world to take over, right? You can be like, oh, look at all the talent that you're getting, but the expectations are going to be through the roof no matter who you hire. What do you think? Easier for Lyndon B. Johnson to take over as president than the next person to take over after Saban. (laughs) Well, listen, it's uh, yeah, you don't want to be the guy that replaces a guy and uh I I don't I don't know if it would be an internal guy cuz it's like who mm-hmm. is Saban's guy? He doesn't right. have a guy. You know? And when he does, quote unquote, it's a guy like Kirby Smart who, you know, wasn't like they were buds and you you know, I want you to be the next head coach here. It was like when was Kirby going to get another job somewhere? You know, mm-hmm. he wanted the Auburn job and then then he ended up going to Georgia a few years later. So I think they would go outside. I think they'll hire, try to hire the next big thing. I just, um, I don't know who that is. I don't think anybody knows who it is. I know everybody wants to say Dabo, but if that's five years from now, and I, maybe seven or eight years from now, like I personally think, I think Saban's going to coach like till two thousand thirty. I, I think he's going to keep going. I mean, Jeez. at that point, Dabo might be like, "I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go retire." So. We don't. I don't. Heck, yeah. the next head coach might not be a head coach right yeah. now. They might be a position coach somewhere, about to become the next hot OC or DC somewhere. Hmm. That's crazy to think about. Uh, Nick, I think you had a final question. Very good. Speechless. Uh, yeah, speechless. Um, Brandon, I was on, I wanna... I was on mute. I had oh, one perfect. More. Go ahead. 
Um, uh, we're looking in the future here. Better, higher, or who has more success in five years? Uh, since it's a Florida podcast, we're looking at the West Division rival LSU. Brian Kelly at LSU or Florida with Billy Napier? Billy Napier at Florida. I think I think LSU is going to regret the day they decided we're not going to give Napier a shot at the job at LSU because he's mm-hmm. an in-state guy and we don't want to do that. And the boosters weren't going to be sold on it. I think they will regret that at some point. I think Brian Kelly is going to be successful there, but I don't think he's going to win a national championship there. It's just I don't think it's going to happen. I think Napier has the opportunity to do that at Florida because they're not in the West and they're going to be in a position once once OU and Texas join the conference, there's going to be a little bit of chaos with some of those teams like an A&M and an LSU and maybe an Alabama at times that maybe, depending on how the schedule is and with pods and all that, Mm-hmm. that maybe a team, a program like Florida, can be able to rise above that every now and again and be that odd one out that's actually the odd one in every now and again. Mm-hmm. And so I think the pressure's more on those traditional programs that have been successful or have been consistent lately because you're going to get these big dogs in here, an OU and a Texas, that recruiting-wise are going to get better because they're in the SEC. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I mean, you know this, Nick. Look at A&M's recruiting compared in the Big 12 to where it was after they joined the SEC and compare that to Texas, the yeah. Longhorns. The numbers legitimately just flipped with five and four-star blue-chip recruits from Texas to Texas A&M, the amount, in that same time period. So OU and Texas is going to affect LSU a&M and Alabama more so than a Florida or a Georgia. And that's going to end up helping Florida as they b- rebuild that thing. And I'm a, listen, I, I think everybody reads my stuff and is listening to me. I'm a huge belie- believer in Billy Napier. I believe that the day Ed Orgeron said, I'm leaving, LSU should have been at Billy Napier's front door going, we want you now, please get over here. We'll give you anything you want. We'll spend all the money in the world. And when Florida came calling, boy, that man, that's a you know I hate to say use a baseball term, but it's freaking home run. Hmm. Napier is going to win championships somewhere at some point on a big level, and he's he's got it in a perfect spot at Florida because you're seeing the money getting poured <laughs> into it now. Yeah, you're seeing the fan base rally behind that. It's a perfect time to strike while the iron's hot with NIL and the Gator Collective and all of that. I got Napier all day over Brian Kelly when we look back five years from now. Just not this year, Brandon. I, I wrote down. No. I wrote down. <laughs> just I mean, listen, it just is oh, what hey, it is. Nick, man. Ah, hey, bro. <laughs> Sorry. Hold on. Um, I, someone we both know, Brandon, I, I remember asking him, what is the dichotomy in Louisiana? And I was like, is it like big brother, little brother? And he goes, UL? He goes, that's like little sister. He's like, that's like, there's no way you can get the the big old money big boosters in Louisiana to buy out a coach from UL. He said, "There's no way it's happening." And I was like, "What if he was that? What if he was the FAU coach?" And they were like, "You could probably talk him into it, but there's yeah. no way you could do it at UL." And I was like, "All right, well, 
I it's guess silly. I guess is what it is. It's all ego and everything. I think yeah. every state is like that to a certain extent. Like, listen, I, I live in Arkansas. You know, Arkansas is not a blue blood program by any means. But the idea of going in and hiring like the coach at Arkansas State from right. for any sport to them is like, yeah, that's just not going to happen ever. Yeah, uh, they won't even play them. In fact, they don't even schedule games with them. Um, well, and FSU that, had no problem hiring Willie Taggart, and it worked out well. <laughs> um, well, listen, hey, it, it, the other thing, though, with, with Louisiana, that whole thing, it's funny. No one really probably listening to this cares about this, but, like, Louisiana Tech used to look down on Louisiana and ULM, and now it's been completely flipped because mm-hmm. of the Sun Belt and, and Conference USA and all that stuff. It's amazing how quickly the tables can turn for these mid mid level programs just based off of a like a five year stretch. And these haves and haves nots, we're moving more and more to this era. You guys think I don't know, I'd like to be interested to hear what you think. That we're it's gonna get to a point where there's gonna be forty, forty five teams that matter and they mm-hmm. might even break away and go do their own thing. And everybody else, they're just going to be have-nots. And what right. they do just doesn't matter at all on any level. I think you saw that coming when the Power Five became autonomous. And it was like, mm-hmm. they don't need the NCAA to do anything. Like, they can do whatever they want. No one's watching the Sun Belt versus the, you know, uh, A-Sun. A- no one cares about what the NCAA championship is. If you have the Power Five that breaks off and, and does their own thing, no one's watching the NCAA football championship. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think the difference in NIL, uh, the haves and have-nots, I think, like you said, that gap's going to get bigger and bigger because some schools just can't afford. Yes. To say, Tennessee just said they had an $8 million deal with, I can't pronounce the guy's name, their quarterback uh, signee or commitment, not signee, their quarterback commitment. So, some schools can't do that. And that might be all of uh, Tennessee's you know, NIL budget for the, the signing class. It might have pushed all in, but some schools might not have that for – a four-year class. Well, you saw, you guys saw Saban's comments the other day about how mm-hmm. he doesn't think it's a sustainable model, and I think I don't. He, I don't listen to anything Nick Saban complains about when it comes to NIL. Well, here's the thing: I don't, no. I don't think he's complaining. I, I think what he's saying is it's not a sustainable model because guess what? Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, whatever, they'll be able to do it. But mm-hmm. do you, do you think that? Auburn or Arkansas or Kentucky are going to be able to do that year after year after year after year? Mm-mm. Probably not. And that's what's going to quote unquote hurt college football. It's just going to become a thing where there's not very not much parity. And we're going to have to see at some point some type of breakaway where you have a super conference yeah. of some sort. I mean, in the NCAA is the only one that can fall on that sword, right? Because for years and years and years, it had been talked about and they did nothing about it until it started to get enacted at, you know, state legislatures. And all of a sudden they're trying to figure out what to do. And so their response of what to do about it was just say, it's your problem. You figure it out. Right. Well, the, here's the um, other thing. I don't think the NCAA is going to fix it. It's got to be the federal government. And the NCAA right. has been pushing, kicking that can toward them for the last two years. And, and if I know anything about the federal government speed, it's going to be, mm. you know, the 2030 recruiting class before we get some guidance. Exactly. I I'm mean, not married, have no kids. And I, I, don't, I think if I had a child, the NCAA yeah. wouldn't have it figured out by the time he's ready to go to college. Yeah. And the federal government, I mean, not the NCAA. I don't think the NCAA wants to figure it out. Well, they I don't think they, they do they either. Not, they, not only do they drag their feet, they, they like screaming – 
tooth and nail kicking don't want it to happen and ask the federal government to like do something. And the federal government in, in turn goes, Hey, by the way, you're uh, like antitrust laws. Like you're not special. And we need to start looking into that. And so there's like, yep. NIL, you guys figure it out. Never mind. We're out of here. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, well, Brandon, we appreciate your time. Thanks for spending 45 minutes with us uh, today. Oh, um, wow. Let everybody know. I know the conversations just flow, especially when Nick's just spouting off and shooting from the hip on random thoughts and random ideas. Um, that was a good segment. We were going through Florida's roster, that uh, Florida's schedule. That was a good segment. Yeah, I appreciate it, Nick. Um, Brandon, let everybody know where they can follow you on uh, on social media and read all your articles. Uh, at B Marcello on Twitter and Brandon Marcello on all the others, and just go to twenty four seven sports dot com. I appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we're going to give uh, Nick the third degree when you get off. Um, it's a pleasure to have Brandon on um, a wealth of knowledge, wealth of information. Uh, let's give a quick um, shout out to our friends over at Game Time Sidekicks before we move on. Visit GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use promo code STADIUM. Get 10% off your order if you're looking for a vacuum-sealed cup. If you're looking for some of the best steel glassware on the market, go visit GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use promo code STADIUM. Over 350 schools, a lot of NFLPA players as well, PGA golfers, etc. So go, go visit them, GameTimeSidekicks.com. Use promo code STADIUM. Uh, before we get into the orange and blue uh, debut, Nick, I do want to talk to you a little bit about your takes on the Florida Gators uh, schedule for next season. You have the Gators at seven wins. Um, Brandon ran through his list uh, with losses to Utah. Uh, who else did he have? Kentucky, LSU, South Carolina, uh, Texas A&M. No, he had a, he had a win and, versus Kentucky. Oh, okay. You know, a loss against um, – who was his? Uh, his Missouri. losses were Missouri. Utah, Missouri, LSU, Georgia, a and uh, I'm missing one. Or maybe it was a loss versus – I can't remember. remember. Uh, no, he had to get her starting two and two. So it was Missouri, Georgia, uh, Texas A&M, um, LSU, South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Yeah. I can't even make – I really got to go watch these other teams' springs and, and really do something before I can give, like, real takes on, on wins. Well, also, also, I was I was going to give him an out because, like, he already talked about it. Like, the the transfer portal, and he and I were talking about it, is going to be so, like, furious because mm-hmm. all these kids are going to hit the portal and then they'll be – We're, we're talking ro- – Florida's roster right now is going to be drastically different than what it is September sure. 3rd when Utah shows up. Mm-hmm. I don't we think it's spring game better first? than Utah. We talk yeah, about the yeah, fall. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about the we can talk about the spring game. I just wa- I wanted Nick to to give his opinion on on which win which loss from Brandon was a win in his book. Uh, definitely USC. Um, I, I'll never. Uh, I mean, it'll take some some dire circumstances for me to put like a Missouri or a USC South Carolina as a loss for Florida. Um, I would have both of those as wins. I think mm-hmm. Florida could win nine games. You could figure out. And talk yourself into a situation where they win nine games. I think mm-hmm. I would be thrilled with eight, happy with seven, and six is like, okay, well, what happened that you lost an extra game or two? So right. I think I think seven wins is super realistic for Florida. Eight's a really good season, and I don't okay. think eight's out of the realm of possibility. I yeah. think eight fans should be very happy with it with an eight and four season. All right. I just wanted to get your thoughts, um, just because we we had talked about it and. Uh, 
I, I just I had not gotten that take from you. So we'll obviously talk a little bit more about that uh, as we get a little bit closer to the season. But the Gators did have a football game on Thursday. I uh, want to get your thoughts, Nick, on just the crowd and everything else. Um, the Gators hosted uh, over 300 recruits. Um, you know, I'll say take that with a grain of salt, probably – 50 to 60 of them are, are division one prospects, but still pretty good showing there. Uh, it seemed like quite a few fans in attendance uh, as well. Uh, but Nick, what was the atmosphere like? Obviously I know that they did the Gator walk. Uh, I want to hear about Johnny Townsend's tailgate. If you're able to swing by that, but just give us the mm -hmm. atmosphere in Gainesville on Thursday. Yeah. So it, it started, um, it, it's actually funny. Um, our dog, our one-year-old dog had surgery and um, my girlfriend's parents were able to come and like handle that. And her dad starts driving back down on um, Wednesday. And he's like, the traffic in Gainesville sucks. And I'm like, really? I hadn't noticed it. And he's like, yeah, it's terrible. I'm like, maybe people are coming in for the game. So I went from thinking maybe 20,000 for the spring game, you know, heading into the, the weekend before to thinking, all right, maybe it'll be better. Um, I would guesstimate 30 to 35. Anytime okay. you get a spring game with a nice, even round number like 45,000 uh, unless the stadium seats exactly 45,000 and they say, yep, we sold out. Every ticket was sold and there's 45. Then I'm going to call shenanigans on, on your uh, attendance count. I don't think there were 45,000. I think you're in the 30 to 35 range. And it was more than I expected for moving it to a Thursday night and, and changing the game, uh, you know, a month before. Uh, dude, were you able to swing by Johnny's tailgate? Yes, uh, I was. I had to do some stuff before, so I swung by. Um, spent about a half an hour there, 45 minutes there. Um, we had Johnny and Spurrier on the Gators Online podcast. Uh, so we saw Johnny around noon on Thursday, and then we swung by a little bit before the game. Got to see my former high school classmate, Major Wright. Um, mm. Shout out to him. He, uh, we need to get, I need to text him and get him on the pod because he's got a bunch of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, Kind of like Corey's done with the big three roll up. I was talking to major about his books and he just started a publishing company. He didn't like go to look to get somebody to publish his books. He just started a publishing company, found mm. an editor, found illustrators for him. And I was like, that's awesome. We need to get you on to talk about that. Um, swung by the Townsends. Uh, and, and that was good. That was fun. And uh, it was a good atmosphere. It, it obviously wasn't like a game day, uh, you know, like a September 3rd will be, uh, but it was a good atmosphere. Um, and, and I, and I appreciated an actual game, uh, as, as I alluded to last week that there mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, Ryder Anthony didn't catch a touchdown. Um, you played the actual Very game good. guys were tackling and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was a good game. Took a lot away from it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and certainly, uh, one of the biggest things that I took away from it is that there's no quarterback battle, there's no quarterback controversy. There's a clear one and two, and then there's a, a gap between one and two and a gap between two and three, four. And, man, AR Health to AR Big Dog. Mm-hmm. Big Dog talent, man. Yeah, um, very they are 15, 15 for 20 for 191 yards and two touchdowns. Sorry, Corey. Uh, go ahead, but what were your thoughts on the game? Um, just kind of big picture, any players that stood out? Uh, I, li I like what I saw. Uh, mm -hmm. Even how many tight ends that we had down, shout out to my man Xanders. He he was better mm -hmm. than, than than we all thought. Um he looked he looked apart at the position. Um, so that was a surprise. I like with my linebackers looked the one black, uh Derek Wingo. Uh even Bernie looked better. Mm -hmm. um, not say that cautiously, but he looked better. Right? Uh the the, the young boy McMillan at safety, uh he he looked great. 
Um, I like what I saw overall. Run game is going to be a, a, a beast. Uh, Johnson, the running back that came over from Louisiana, uh, just a great eval by that staff when they got him. Um, he's going to be something special as well once he once he gets going. He played on both teams. Uh, looked like a workhorse out there. I thought uh, Lingard looked good until if they say he pulled the hammy or something like that. But it, it, in his limited carries, he, he looked good himself. Uh, I like the play calling, the pace of the mm-hmm. offense, what they did with AR. I, I wasn't mad at all. Um, the offense looked a little different than I thought it would look in the spring game. Uh, we could add some top end speeds. The receivers, I thought, played very good. Um, mm-hmm. Reynolds surprised me. Uh, he was getting some talk in the game. But he, these guys look like they could play football wide receiver. They didn't like we had a slouch bunch. Uh, we could use some top end speed for sure. Um, do you think – so Billy Napier keeps saying that Dante Xanders will have a role in the fall. Not only will he stay at tight ends, we asked him, is this a permanent move? But he said not only will he stay there, he will have an impact for us in the fall. No, no, he looked he look like you know what he's doing out there, Nick. They don't like well, he, well, like he came Burton. to Florida as a tight end. For sure. <laughs> uh, shout out to Clay Burton. Shout out to Clay. That's my guy. He was at a Florida. He was at a spring practice. He has little kids running around with him. Shout out to them boys, man. Burtons. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, offensive line is going to be really good. Um, I want to mm-hmm. see the depth because, like, the, those starting five, six, if you add Braun into that six, I like mm-hmm. them a lot. Right. Especially for what I think Florida is going to try to do. And that's run why. The that's why I think we're going to punch Utah in their mouth in this hot sun in September, Nick. Then we're going to lay on them people, but I don't want to get to that. Um, what else? What else I like? What else I like? Uh, like I, I, it's not. A, it's not a lot I, I didn't like. Um, mm-hmm. Backup quarterback scared me. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Miller looked terrible. Mm-hmm. I think he's serviceable, but uh, our whole season is predicated on the health of Anthony Richardson. Hundred percent. Like talking to Jack Miller after the game, he looked like I made a huge mistake. Like I did not do enough film study. Like he looked like film oh, study. like like of of Anthony Richardson. Like he tra- like I keep saying he didn't transfer to Florida to sit the bench. Oh, and you I were think, serious about that? Huh? Yeah, yeah. In his mind, I'm not saying in in my mind. In his mind, he didn't transfer to Florida to sit the bench. And then we talked to him <laughs> after the spring game, and after watching like AR all spring, and I, I looked at his eyes. I'm like, oh, you didn't like you didn't know that this is what he's that's capable him. of. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's him. That's him. Yeah. So um, I think Anthony. The problem is okay. Well, how much of Anthony's hamstring issues last year was because he was playing on a torn meniscus that needed to get repaired, and now mm-hmm. you're. Your other Bob's leg and your other knee mm-hmm. is, is compensating. How much were your other injuries because you're playing on a, a torn-up knee? And he spent more time in the training room last year than on the football field. So does that flip this year? But if not, Fuller's in a position where the Jack Miller you saw, that's the next guy up. Well, well, I'll say this. There, there is going to be improvement between this game and in the – summer and in the fall, you, you, you would hope, um, you know, that the style of quarterbacking that Anthony Richardson plays with is going to increase his chance of getting injured just in general, because you're putting yourself out there more. Um, I do think that Florida is going to have a better offensive line than they did last year. I think that they've got a better stable of running backs. And I think that the offense that they're going to call based on a little bit of what I saw um, in the game on uh, when I rewatched the, the orange yeah, the RPO debut. look good, baby. Yeah, yeah, it did. And so, I think that Florida feels comfortable with the 
the running backs that they have and the tight ends that they have to potentially give him, you know, some more opportunity to, to not have to be as physical as maybe he did last season. Right. Um, but are you taking something away from his game? If you're saying, Hey, don't do this. Well, of course no, you are, but you're, no, you're hoping that what cute, you're taking yeah. away from his game is added it by the other skill the players, right? So then when he does break off or want to break off that big run, that it's a little bit less anticipated than last year where, you know, teams were crowding the box and forcing him to throw, you know, the right. deep ball or not the deep ball, the, the intermediate or, you know, short throw that, that he struggled with. And, is still getting better, he's right? He's been sabotaged last perfect, year. But... You're not going to tell me otherwise. He's he was sabotaged. <laughs> yeah, the play, the play calling didn't make sense he for his skills. Dan Mullen right? wanted to get fired, so he's yes. like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why me, me and Dan, me and Dan Mullen were on the same page. We are like, yo, how do I get the best job possible with the highest buyout, and then how do I get to that buyout as quickly as possible? Yeah. Dan Mullen and I, two, two peas in a pod. He did it. He, nobody called Dan Mullen dumb, right? Um, a couple other players that I think played really well. I don't remember what their stat sheet was. Um, I thought that Gervon Dexter played quite well. Uh, I thought that he really – I know he had a sack. I know he had a couple of of, of quick tackles for some either losses or, or very short gains uh, in the beginning of the game. Um, so so I'm, continued, I'm excited to, to continue to see him grow. I thought Lloyd Summerall played well in the couple of plays that, that he had that impacted Boy, the game. Jim, ain't he? Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? It looks like a completely yeah. different guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and Nick, this might be some news for you. We have a walk on making 50 yard kicks at kicker, um, but position battle to watch. It's a lot of bang for you. Listen, after, after, after Chris Howard missed the first one, I think I tweeted like, Trace Matt, come on down. Job's ready for you. Everyone else is being kicked off campus. You're yeah. the only kicker. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, maybe not, Trey. Hold on. Might have to earn the job. Nick's throwing all of his punter and kicker people under the bus. No, 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 just kickers. Like I said, kickers are weird. Punters are people. Mm. Uh, let's see. Um, any concerns? Uh, you know, I know we talked a little bit about backup quarterback. Obviously, Jack Miller, um, you know, isn't you know a world beater. He's still an opportunity to get better. You also got to see Carlos Del Rio and Jalen Kitna. Um, I, I think <laughs> I think I have concern. I think I have concern behind. I think I have to start quarterback depth. Like you're going to yeah. get Max Brown in. Um, I don't think Florida will have all four of the quarterbacks that were at the spring game. I don't think all four of them will be on the roster um, come next season. I think so, you're so going to see somebody transfer. With, with that likely happening, Florida, the go in next season with Richardson, uh, Miller, Brown whatever quarterback didn't transfer, do they go and try to get another quarterback? What do you think, Nick? I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can get another one. It would probably depend on who it is. Like I think Jack Miller and, and a lot of people weren't on notice about Anthony Richardson because he missed so much time and, and they saw that Emory Jones started over him. And well, if that, if Emory Jones started over him, I probably can too. I think, you know, and maybe it's just, we're too close to it. I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks being like, Oh yeah, I'll transfer to Florida and I'll compete with Anthony Richardson. I don't think you're going to get guys doing that. Like when quarterbacks transfer, right. they want to go to a spot where they can play right away. And I don't think anyone's playing over Anthony Richardson right now. So I don't know who who you would get to come onto your team right now. So I think, you're fine. I think you're fine with four. You probably are hoping and praying Anthony Richardson has like I think it still said it last week. 
like a good enough season that he comes back next year because he would be right. draft eligible after this season. But you know that the opposite is going to happen on the recruiting show, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, look at what Anthony Richardson is. Look who he can be. You also have film of Jack Miller, not throwing the guy under the bus, but now you have film of him saying, hey, we think Anthony Richardson is going to do so well this year that he's going to probably go to the NFL. Now we have an opportunity for you to step in as the starter, be a two, three-year starter. Maybe the kid is a a freshman right now. Maybe they're a redshirt freshman, right? But I think Florida, knowing what I know about quarterback, knowing, knowing who I know might transfer, knowing who I know is coming in, Florida has some major issues at quarterback. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I'm with you. I think I think they can always infuse a guy. We it's Florida. The logo's big, so you can right. go find a five star on the bench in January or one of these years. If AR is bouncing in January and leaving, go pro. Uh, it ain't that hard to to uh, you know uh, ask around for for right. for talented backups that's looking for a spot. Right, and you can't have emotion, right? Like you have to go and you have to build this roster. Right. Um, Anthony Richardson is better than I thought he would be after watching the game. I, I've always thought that Anthony Richardson had incredible talent, but we are missing on some of the finesse. I saw some drastic improvement in finesse this year, but Florida has some major issues. And I think that if you're going to preach recruiting as a coaching staff, you need to go and recruit that next quarterback because I don't think that anybody on Florida's roster outside of Anthony Richardson is Florida's next quarterback. Yeah. Defensive line is, 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 uh, desperate needs as well. Um, yeah. That that was apparent in the game. Um, of course, the run game looked good, but and it, I mean Gravon, the, mm-hmm. the, the starters, it's just no depth uh, yeah. at all whatsoever. So uh, we had a, tra- a transfer on campus uh, visiting, but they got to make some moves in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. I wouldn't mind a couple O line, but uh, two or three on defense is definitely needed. I thought Jalen yeah, Lee played pretty well, but. Yeah, I think defensive tackle, like outside of Jalen Lee and Gervon Dexter, um, mm-hmm. like what do you have? And then what do you have next year as well? So I think that's that's a question mark for me. And then behind Anthony Richardson, um, the only thing I would say on the transfer thing at quarterback is you're going to have four. If one of the guys transfers out, let's say Kitten or Del Rio transfers out, you're going to have four once Max Brown gets in. You're, you're comfortable with four. So like it's yeah. not a pressing. It's not a pressing need. Would That'll you like to get yeah, would you like to get somebody in mm-hmm. to learn the system all fall and be a backup so that if Anthony Richardson goes to the draft after the season, yeah, that makes sense. But to me, it's like it's not a pressing need because unless Anthony gets hurt and then yeah. Jack gets hurt, then you're in trouble. Yeah, but the the ability to sell the proposition that we talked yes. about and yeah, yeah, no, you nailed before it's like the you season work in recruiting started right? or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, just an idea. Again, I'm not sure. You know, Florida's going to have a lot of needs. They do need players to transfer where you're going to have net negative, right? You can't have the same number of players leave and recruit the same number of players in because Florida's still four or five over the the roster limit, right? So there's going to be some gaps, and it's not going to be perfect. But I do think the way that I look at Florida right now, if they want to be built for sustainable success, has to figure out its quarterback situation. And I think it's trying to go get somebody right now. Um, but uh, we did, um, we did have a transfer, um, announcement as well. Nick, do you want to break that down with, because there were a couple of transfers for basketball. No, uh, uh, football. We got a transfer of football. No. Um, I thought we had somebody. 
No, we had somebody announced that they were leaving, didn't we? No. Oh. No announcements. I could have sworn, no, no, no. and I'm trying to no, look at I, it right I, now. I, I could have sworn I, somebody did it on Friday. You got somebody? Do y'all have people on transfer wide? Talk to yeah, no, I, I put one in. Uh, I put yeah, one in on the. Uh, I put one in on the in the chat that it could be happening tonight or tomorrow. Mm. But that's not. not I didn't catch that. Let me go catch it. Uh, two transfers for basketball. Yeah, I, my apologies. I was trying that's to find I it. I, I thought there was an announcement. Um, because Goods had already announced, right? We had talked about Lamar Goods mm-hmm. putting his name in, correct? Yeah, we talked to him last week. Okay, um, my apologies. And that was a guy I didn't see much much of in the spring. It was kind of like right. sometimes, you know, there's so many players that, you know, even though I'm out of practice, like Lamar Goods announced he was transferring. I was like, oh, yeah, he's he's still on the team. Yeah. Like, I'm even out of practice and not noticing him. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, I guess – so, yeah. so the ga- so the Gators are at what ninety players? Is that what we're at right now? Or eighty nine? I'm thinking about eighty nine right now. Okay, so we're at eighty nine. So you so- got to lose four. Right. And Billy was talking about awarding five um, walk on scholarships. So let's say he awards five. Huh? Um, that puts you at ninety three. Bro, that's 94. that's a lot. Yeah, ninety four. Um, that's a that's a lot. Um, and and I don't think that it's. Uh, I I don't know how he gets to that number. If you're going Maybe to, that might have just been for the soundbite because he was talking about being aggressive in the transfer portal. That might have been, you know, uh, for a soundbite for a quote. So I don't let's know a five that would get a scholarship. Let's say you're let's say you're aggressive in the portal. That means, in my opinion, probably at least six guys, right? I would, yeah, I would say five to six would be a minimum to be to aggressive. Be, to be aggressive, right? Um, so to get there. And if you're going to have five walk-ons, you're at, let's just say for, for math's sake, you're at 10, right? So that puts you at a roster of 99. So that would mean you would need 14 transfers between now and the start of the summer. Yep. Hmm. That's aggressive. That's very aggressive. A lot of new homes. Um, Nick, I, I do want to ask you, um, if you've heard anything about, I actually heard them talking a little bit about it on the, the big three roll up this or, or the roll up, pardon me, uh, last week. Have you heard anything about the NCAA potentially giving uh, some uh, some flexibility on super, super seniors? Yeah, we're uh, we're still in a gray area for that. Um, those guys were given so like in for the spring sports, it was a blanket. You get a full because the spring sports like baseball played. 16 games um track was in the middle of their season um they got a blanket free year of eligibility for football it was okay you dealt with some hardships it was a weird year you can have an extra year and we'll use that you know for the next season it was for the seat it was specifically written for if your senior season was 2020 that sucked we'll let you come back so now the ncaa hasn't really given a strict ruling and I think that's where you look at like Florida's roster, and I'm sure it's a bunch of other rosters, AM, Georgia. You look at these rosters and you're like, well, how is Ventro Miller still a Florida? Like he doesn't have any more eligibility yet. So we're looking to see if like a Ventro Miller will count against Florida's 85 scholarship or if he will be, you know, a COVID super duper senior. All right. And and maybe, maybe there's some more knowledge on the from the, from the coaching staff perspective, where being aggressive um, from our definition and what they may know about where it's, it's going, um, you know, may certainly uh, dictate some thoughts there. 
Uh, any parting thoughts on the, the orange and blue game um, before we're off for football for the next four months? Man, get your popcorn ready. That RPO is going to be fun to watch. Lingard, mm-hmm. Bowman, the young running back, Johnson. It's going to be some fun times. Uh, and we'll see what the fireworks look like in this portal. We need to get busy with some playmakers, man. But we get the right receivers on the outside with what we already got uh, touching the ball every play. Nick talking crazy about my ages, bro. Did it change your mind at all? Last week I said I could see this team being 60-40 run to pass. Oh, no, no. That's still, crazy talk. I still think it's crazy talk. Okay. You thought you thought that was a, a run a, you thought it was run happy? Uh no, no, no. I was actually impressed. I was impressed with, and I say this as much as anybody. We see 15 minutes. I might see 20 of Anthony's 80 passes in a practice. So I, right. I put it with a grain of salt. That's the most accurate he has looked in the shorts intermediate passing game that I saw him all spring was in the spring game. So to me. That's great, but if you're starting to talk about RPO, it, even in a passing play called, I'm like, hey, Ant, if your first read isn't there, don't even worry about the second. If you see a oh, running for lane, sure. See, I'm not mad. Like, I don't know. I think a lot of those runs – see, that's that's why I, like, I make it a little different. Like, play calling – like, It's a caveat because play, play calling right. every close to 55, 45, 50, 50. Correct, correct. But the way the AR, play rolls out is right, 60, 40. Right, 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 right. Right. So I, I will skew the numbers however I need to to make my point correct. Yeah, I see how you know. I can cater towards my, my, my shenanigans yes. as well. We both can spin it. But yes. uh, I think Billy calls a, even, a fairly even uh, run to pass on the play call. But it is RPO, so we don't know what the audibles and what the look's going to be yep. and all of that. So we'll be guessing ourselves. Amateur over here. Yeah, <laughs> that's us. Oh, man. Um, let's get into some basketball news. A lot has happened over the past week. Um, but before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at alumni hall, visit them at alumni hall, use promo code S G 20 for 20% off of your order through June 15th. Uh, we're also doing a giveaway of a $50 uh, alumni hall gift card for commenting and subscribing on our YouTube channel. So we will be doing that shortly. Uh, again, alumnihall.com. Use promo code 20SG at checkout or SG20. I'm sorry, getting confused with Manscaped. SG20 at checkout and get 20% off of your order until the middle of June. Nick, basketball news. Give us the good word, my friend. You're on mute. Colin Castlin's back. I think we we might talk about that last week. Um, uh, From what Zach Albaverde and I were told, the Gator Collective um, had a a nice deal for him, uh, which might have persuaded him to come back. Um, Kwasi Reeves, Kwasi Reeves. There was a rumor that he was going to go into the transfer portal. It was reported by somebody at 247 that he was in the portal. Um, He never officially entered the portal. I think that was kind of like a, hey, I saw what you did for Colin. What Mm -hmm. can you do for me kind of thing? And which is, listen, I had no problem with it. Yeah, players can finally get paid. Go get your money. Um, He is not going to leave. He's going to stay at Florida. That's great for Todd Golden and for the Gators. Um, 
And, and then I think getting a LSU transfer and Alex Fudge, um, only a freshman last year coming to Florida, mm-hmm. um, a guy, he only averaged 3.3 points, 3.2 rebounds as a freshman mm-hmm. last year, but he's a six foot eight forward, seven foot wingspan, um, was a four star on the on three consensus. Mm-hmm. And, um, in high school, I mean, he just filled up the stat sheet. Almost 18 points a game, 12.2 rebounds, five block shots. Um, there's going to be a lot of turnover, and, and you're already seeing some some of the basketball recruiting class fall apart because Mike White left. Um, but you get a recruit or a signee from Jalen Reed or Jalen Reed, sorry, decommits a signee decommits mm-hmm. from Florida. Um, so there's going to be some transfers, and I think the transfer portal, as we've talked about before affects basketball even more than football, just given the roster sizes. So right. um, Florida will have to be active in the transfer portal, and, and you're seeing them uh, you know, early on in the Todd Golden era do that. Right. So you saw that we, we talked about the, the transfer last week. You just mentioned Alex Fudge. The Gators also landed Trey Bonham today mm-hmm. uh, from VMI. Uh, what? Oh, no, not Belmont. VMI, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, from VMI, uh, Trey Bonham, a six foot, 170 pound uh, sophomore, uh, averaged 13.6 points per game, four rebounds and four assists. Um, really kind of took off, I guess, towards the end of the season, last 15 games, average 18 points, 5.5 rebounds and 4.4 assists. Um, apparently known for, for getting to the rim, um, a great finisher. Um, apparently a guy that, that a lot of people that, that follow uh, basketball and, and mid-major and minor basketball are very, very high on this kid. Um, so really exciting to, to see the roster that, that Todd Golden is going to bring uh, to the University of Florida. Obviously losing uh, Jalen Reed today, uh, although not officially counting out the Gators, uh, that was a guy that Florida needs, kind of a, a three uh, – you know, a three point shooter, two point shooter, and a guy that can, you know, score in the paint too. So that's definitely a guy that, that Florida needs to try to keep uh, in this class by whatever means possible. But it does seem like Todd Golden's been able to go out and, and grab some big names, uh, beat some other, you know, bigger schools as well uh, for some of these guys. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Florida has to rebuild almost their entire basketball roster this season. So, uh, but again, uh, prospects are looking good. Uh, for who Todd Golden's been able to uh, get to commit to this class. And now it's a matter of continuing to build and, and grow on that momentum and, uh, you know, continue to focus on on high school recruiting over the next, um, you know, however long, but but definitely here soon. So um, obviously exciting news in Gator Nation uh, for men's basketball. Uh, any other thoughts on basketball before we get into some more announcements? And then uh, Corey will take us out with a Manscaped ad read. Um, the only thing is I'm getting great feedback from not only um, recruits, uh, high school coaches, but also from boosters that they love Todd Golden. Um, they, I mean, they like Mike White too. So like, that's not going to lead to wins. So but I, Mike, Mike was my guy. Um, but they really like Todd Golden. Um, it'll be interesting to see because like, We've talked to Eric a bunch of times. We've talked mm-hmm. to Neil, like basketball, so many sports, but basketball is going to such an analytical um, numbers driven, you know, leadership role. Um, and that's what Todd Golden does. So it'll be interesting to see, like, does that play? It's really played at San Francisco. Does it play at Florida? Does it play in the SEC? Um, you're you're going to have to be able to compete for some of those top guys because you're, you're not going to compete saying, hey, we can get a roster full of three stars and analytic our way 
to an SC championship. You need some dudes at the end of the day. So uh, you got to try to mix them both. But early returns on Todd Golden have all been very, very positive. Yeah, um, was uh, one of the, the folks that was recognized um, with, with Kelly Ray Finley. What was their responsibility at the Orange and Blue game? They were honorary uh, celebrity captains. Uh, celebrity captains, okay. So um, so we'll see, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we, we've got uh, a lot of good, positive um, you know, news for, for Todd Golden and the, the Florida Gators basketball roster. I do want to congratulate the women's gymnastics team uh, that um, was able to advance to the finals of the NCAA tournament unfortunately came just a hair short of winning a national championship. Oklahoma took home the crown, uh, but congratulations to Trinity Thomas, who just showed out uh, in Fort Worth uh, during the national championship, uh, took home the all-around prize, uh, took home a couple of other uh, awards as well. But uh, just a fantastic performance from Trinity Thomas, uh, from Megan Skaggs, and the rest of the Gators Gymnastics program that just, uh, just did incredible. Um, in the uh, the national championship, so it was a fun thing to watch on uh, on Saturday. Um, and will so be interesting. Um, going back to the COVID year, and, and kind of what mm-hmm. we were talking about for football, Trinity can come back next year um, mm-hmm. as a as a true senior. She can come back next year. Like like Skaggs cannot. This was her her COVID year to come back. Right. And, and several of the other graduate seniors, but um, I don't know what else Trinity has to prove other than trying to lead you know, uh, Jenny Rowland and the Gators to another national championship. Um, but it's a possibility, um, for her to yeah. come back. I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about it with Jenny Rowland in the past, right? I mean, for a lot of them, this is kind of the apex and also the end of a lot of their gymnastics careers. Right. Now, sure. Surely Trinity Thomas might have an opportunity to make an Olympic roster. Um, but you know, the Olympic rosters usually skew quite, quite young, right? So a lot of Olympic athletes go to college after already having been in the Olympics, uh, as kind of their final swan song. So whatever Trinity Thomas does do, um, is going to go around as, as one of the best gymna- gymnasts, not only at the University of Florida, but one of the, uh, the best NCAA gymnasts of all time. So congratulations to her. Um, in other news, Gators men's tennis goes undefeated in SEC play, beating Texas A&M. Uh, they, are, uh, they won 15 consecutive matches to go undefeated at home during the regular season. Perfect SEC record as well. Uh, men's tennis is on track uh, at 20 and two right now, but on track to likely repeat as national champions um, in other news, uh, men's and women's outdoor track and field rankings have come out uh, and they are both ranked number two in the country. And I do want to congratulate the men's four by 100 uh, relay team that set an NCAA record. Four by four. Uh, or was it the four by four? My apologies. Four, four by four. four. Um, Ended up uh, setting an NCAA record, uh, fastest time ever uh, for a college program in obviously in the history, but uh, first time ever under was it under three minutes and 54 seconds, two minutes and 54 seconds, uh, two minutes and 53 uh, seconds, uh, 53.8 seconds. So, congratulations to them. Um, women's tennis had a number, uh, of awards to end their season. Um, McCartney Kessler won her first sec player of the week award and Alicia Dubney, um, won an award as well. Um, and I'm 
not seeing which award. So anyway, congratulations to them. Uh, my apologies for that. But outside of that, um, Silk, Nick, any other final thoughts? Nah, nah, no final thoughts, man. That's just it, man. Uh, baseball RPO. hosts. <clears throat> RPO. Baseball host number one, Tennessee, this weekend. Uh, without a coach for at least the first two games. For the first – without the first two games. That was wild. Tony Vitello just – with a head of steam, chest bumped an umpire. Um, Tennessee is kind of taking on like a pirate mentality. Uh, they're the bad boys. They they play how they want to. They throw fur coats and hats that say daddy on guys after they hit home run. Full pause. Mm. Um, mm. And they'll be in Gainesville this weekend. Number one team in the country. I think they're 31-3 and three after losing a series to Alabama. Um, number one team in the country though. And it was a series last year in Knoxville that got very heated. No love lost, uh, between these two teams. Uh, yep. Tennessee's 33 and three lost to Alabama last weekend. But, um, if you look at Florida and where they are right now, it's a series that at home you have to win. And I don't care if it's the number one team in the country. If it's a triple a baseball team, you have to go three and one this week with two, at least a two and one at home versus Tennessee. Um, Nick, I do want to ask, um, Gators bullpen kind of falls apart again, mm -hmm. uh, against Arkansas or against Vanderbilt, pardon me to, to lose two of those games. Um, is it getting any better? Um, no, uh, it's yeah. certainly not getting better because Hunter Barco, um, leaves the game, um, on Friday night. Um, and as he leaves in this, after the second inning, after just 50 pitches, uh, is looking down at his elbow, Kevin O'Sullivan protecting his guys in the media. Um, when interviewed and during the game says he had strep throat or he was sick. Um, and he was a little fatigued. He had strep throat two weeks ago. That was an excuse two weeks ago for an outing that ended up premature. Um, Sunday, the TV broadcast says it's an injury. It's something that I'll talk to Kevin O'Sullivan to, on Tuesday about at the game and, and have an update about. But if Hunter Barco is shut down at all, um, you can shut down the Florida season. They need Hunter Barco to pitch on Fridays. They need Brandon Sproat to look like he has the last two weekends. And they need some other guys not named Blake Purnell and Tyler Nesbitt to step up in the bullpen. Um Typically, you wouldn't be asking these kinds of questions um, this late in the season. But I will work on getting Kevin O'Sullivan after the year, uh, and maybe we can do an autopsy about what happened this year and, and what went wrong because um, I had a lot of high hopes for this team, and um, they are not uh, – not, not two years in a row. Live. Not performing the way. I Please. kept my lies minimal this year. Last year, I was talking big. I was talking crazy. Yeah. At some point, Silk Nick's going to have to atone for all the lying he's done on this show. Yeah, he's lying about my He put my gators at – yeah, he had Brandon on here to my six wins. Hmm. I, I said seven, seven, seven. I think seven's realistic. No, a seven could happen. Like I'm not, I'm not crazy. Six, six could happen. Six, six was wild. I, mean, look, I, I, I just don't foresee that, man. I've seen some. Um, I mean, I, I expected seven wins, eight wins. Dan Mullen's first year, mm -hmm. and then and then got cracking. Uh, we'll see what's up. Maybe I'm a homer. I just don't see it. I, I think Me that either. Florida's got some talent. I think that in areas that you need 
talent to win games. Florida has plentiful talent right now. If Anthony Richardson gets hurt, obviously things, you know, can change, but Florida has their best offense line that they've had in a very long time. Right. In my opinion, they've probably got just as good at running back, if not better than they've had in any recent memory. Right. Um, the style of offense that they're going to run is going to be predicated on decent tight end work that are going to do a lot of blocking. I think that you might see that and with injuries coming and you might get a transfer in there as well uh, with, with players coming back from injury. Pardon me. Um, I see some improvement there. I do think that Florida is going to be able to score some points this year. And I don't think that their defense is that bad. I think that they're going to go and they're going to probably go grab a transfer or two at defensive tackle. But outside of that, I mean, I think that they've got pretty good edge rushing. I don't think their linebackers are that bad. I think you have some great battles at quarterback that are going to make their players better. And I don't think your safeties are that bad. So I, no, I, I don't, I, I don't want to accept in April that Florida is a seven win team because I don't think a lot of the other teams that they're going to be playing are all that great either. I don't think LSU's all that good. I don't think South Carolina's all that good. I don't think Missouri's any good. I don't think Kentucky's going to be great this year, right? I think the Florida State's bad. I think Tennessee's bad. Or not Tennessee, uh, Florida, uh, Vanderbilt's bad. I got to see more. I think Eastern Washington's not very good. So I can easily see this team winning eight, if not nine, maybe 10, but I'll stick at nine. Okay. So it's all it's all on AR health for me, baby. Yeah, I gotta see what I got. But if AR is healthy, I gotta see. I just think he's that he's that's him. Yeah, that's him. So we'll I think we, I think him could get us eight eight off of him. <laughs> he, he got us eight, and then we'll you know the stadium the, the swamp will give us another one. So uh, I'm gonna go at, I'm gonna go at a, at a modest eight nine. Anything more than eight is a, is a blessing. I have seen crazier things happen. Nick's sitting back in his chair. Be crazy, his seven wins in April prediction. Yep. Uh, Silk, let's get a, a Manscaped ad read, then I'll take us out for Song of the Week. Shout out to the great folks at Manscaped.com. We got the tools for your parts. <laughs> if you trim them pubes, you don't got to get the lube. No, I'm just playing. Uh, be sure to use coupon code. <laughs> 20SG at checkout or SG20 at checkout. Uh, that'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Uh, Lawnmower 4.0 is the perfect package for your package. Uh, cordless, uh, glows in the dark, or you got a light. Now, it, don't, it doesn't actually doesn't glow, glow in, the in the dark. Yeah, yeah, but that would be nice if it glowed in the dark, right? Um, sure. Doesn't electrocute you or anything crazy like that. Uh, shockproof, snag proof, no cuts. No, no, no injuries uh, in this grooming experience with Manscaped.com. Uh, coupon code 20SG at checkout. Uh, I think Manscaped need a back shaver. That's what I need in my life. Mm, I just got the weed whacker for the first time. The package came today. Uh, gave it Changed a your life, didn't it? <laughs> breathing, breathing, breathing clean you. and free right now. You thought you had sinus issues and it was just the nostrils hairs, bro. Yeah. Right on well, up, no, I still, I still got it's pollen season, so I still got, still got allergies. But, oh. uh, <laughs> uh, but the mucus is flowing better now without all the hair. <laughs> thank you, Manscaped. <laughs> Hashtag thank you, Manscaped. It's coming oh. the grossest airy ever, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do want to announce a few other things from Manscaped that are be coming out here soon. 
they are going to be having an ultra smooth package, which mm. is going to be their crop exfoliator, crop gel, and the crop shaver coming out. Exfoliate your crouch area. You can exfoliate your crouch is area. Is that what it's yep. for? No, I want to use it. I want to use it for what it's for. It's for like what is it for? It's your crop exfoliator. It might be something that you rub on after you, you clean. I'll have to, to do some more research. Just looking at the email that they sent. Um, shout it out looks to the like boys. a, uh, Hey, we do a lot of shout outs on this show. Shout out to the fans. We, we do. Uh, and then <laughs> boxers 2.0. Uh, Nick, I know you have some silk. I know you have some of uh, the boxers. Now we're into boxers 2.0. Uh, so that'll be coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, father's day is also coming might mm. sound like an awkward gift to get for your father, but maybe your friends are fathers. Maybe you yourself are a father and you want to treat yourself. Well, ladies, if you're listening, uh, yeah. Support the balls in your life. Yeah. Okay. Less enthusiastic. Yeah. I didn't know what I was signing up for there. <laughs> Just trying to be enthusiastic for your ad read. Hey, uh, shout out, shout out to my man, Bob too. Bob joined the, the roll up network. He's going to be doing, oh, yeah. uh, it is in more quick updates, 30-minute, you know, uh, pop-ups, Monday, Wednesday, Friday deals. Hollywood um, Bob. You know, life's coming full circle, Silt. Uh, Nick and I went yeah. to a Hollywood Bob speaking event right after we met. I think we grabbed lunch together, and that night we uh, we went and saw Hollywood Bob speak in Orlando. Uh, so life does come full circle uh, about 10 years later. Bryce, to read Bob shit, man. <laughs> When I was when I was uh, in these recruiting sprees and, and you know trying to figure out what's going on in Gainesville, um, a lot of this stuff just be like Bob is not like a superstar, but if you're a Gator fan, uh, he's been you know, around a long time, man. So I'm excited to be working with Bob. Uh, Bob hit me up wanting to do some podcasting, um, and I was like, well, I'm pretty sure we could find a lane. I want to do some more Gator updates and keep mm-hmm. you know standing people's ear. Uh, from our platform as much as we can. Uh, and Bob's a different dynamic, different yeah. vibe than Th- Stadium Miguel. Um, so that's just like a, a, a little little baby off of Stadium Miguel, some more Gator vibes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then Billy Napier will be speaking in Tampa. At Who's going to be there, Dan? I will be there. Um, but b- before, you, uh, before you spoil the surprise, Nick, um, right. if you are in Tampa, Billy Napier will be at Armature Works uh, at around 6.30 or so uh, on Tuesday. Um, so hopefully see you all there. I will be there representing the media and the Stadium and Gale podcast. Shout out to our, to our boy Rick. Uh, so I will be there on behalf of us. Um, so looking forward to you uh, being out there. If, if you will, come up, say hello. We'd love to to meet as many of you as possible. But again, Billy Napier. Billy, I said thanks for the unblock, bro. You got it, brother. And I, I, that's a story that we need to have on the blog. Mm. If Billy remembers why he blocked Silk, <laughs> and I think why we found he it. I know why he blocked me, but it wasn't even that. It, was, it wasn't even that slanderous. Uh, I think at the time we were looking for an offensive coordinator, and somebody said uh, Billy Napier. I said every time we're looking for a, a recruiter or offensive coordinator, Billy Napier's name keeps coming up. Um, and that's a big no for me. And then one day I just looked up and I was blocked. I was like, "Yo, what?" The that hell? seems like a, that seems like a, a quick block. Wasn't anything slanderous. I didn't say anything too crazy. I've seen, about. I've seen some of the stuff you say, and that that would seem the least block worthy thing. Yeah, I don't. Somebody told me somebody that I know that's uh, that has a relationship with Billy said that he he 
it wasn't him that blocked me for sure. He don't even give a shit about Twitter and retweets. Uh, and, I, and I believe that person that told me that just just by checking Billy out. A little <laughs> Billy bit. just doesn't seem like the kind of guy to just scroll Twitter all day. Right, right, right. You know? I'm going to block this guy, Silk. Well, he follows like 6,000 people. So just the fact that he would even see that and then block you. This was a while. Yeah. RC with Coach at Bama. Yeah, this was in like 2015. Like That's a long time ago. And then there was a there was a nice ground for ground swell of support, nice little guerrilla warfare on Silk's behalf to get him unblocked. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout happened very to- early on into to Billy Napier's career at Florida too. It's first twenty four hours on the job, bro. Yeah. I got unblocked, bro. <laughs> I remember, I remember because I'm sitting here and we're we're trying to like do coaching search stuff, and I'm like, listen, dog, it's Billy. Unless he says no, it's Billy. So I think Silk's. Uh, Grounds his groundswell, his, his campaign to get unblocked started early. Yeah, yeah, I started hitting the right uh, back channels. Like, hey, bro, we got to make, make something happen. I can't have the head man got me blocked. I know I made some, <laughs> made some terrible transgressions, but this wasn't even the crazy one. How am I supposed to? How am I supposed to get these lies off of if, if the head coach blocks me? I can't even follow his tweet. I'm excited about the future, though, man. Um, we got some big. Everybody just relax with the crew. We got some big recruiting dates, decisions mm-hmm. coming up. And we're going to see what's what. Should be a fun summer. Um, and then we'll see what we can get in the portal and let these guys do what they do. Uh, shout out to Todd Golden. He's recruiting his ass off right now, man. Let's do it. All right, gentlemen. Same corner, same time next week. No the vibes. Same corner, same time. All right. Uh, take us out song of the week. Uh, we're going to go into the EDM world. Um, this guy just announced that he's going to be in Tampa Memorial Day weekend. So I'm going to go check him out. Uh, it's a guy by the name of Nightmare. If you look him up and you what type out Nightmare, uh, you'll have to skip all of the vowels except for the final E to get to this artist. So N-G-H-T-M-R-E. Sorry to spell that out of my head real quick. Um, and he has a song called Feeling Good. Now, if you type in good the normal way, you'll be wrong. It's G-U-D. Uh, but this is a fantastic song. This, song. this guy doesn't have a yeah. G-E-D. Because yeah, he can't spell anything. Does not, How check, does not have a GED, does not have anything. But what he does have is some fantastic music, including this song called Feeling Good, which is how I'm feeling about the Florida Gators after the Orange and Blue debut. With that, boys, see you next week. Got a nightmare about it. Tell me how to feel good. <laughs> Flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky.
Sky. 